Hey, every Friday I send out a little email. I know you're thinking, I don't want to sign up for another email, but listen. I share with you three things that are scaring the crap out of me. Yes, I call it Fidget Friday, just after our Fidget Friday segments. And in this email, I share these three things and the three awesome resources, tips or tricks that I have found out in the world that are helping me through my own fidgets. So it's a lot of fun. It's interesting. It's a little weird. If that's your jam, you can go to heatherparity.com forward slash fidget Friday, or it's also linked in the show notes. I won't spam you. Nothing to sell you. Just want to connect. Again, that's heatherparity.com forward slash fidget Friday. It's okay for a leader to not have all of the answers. None of that's a big relief to me. Is it to you? Now, you may not be thinking, hey, Heather, I'm not a leader. I don't have official title. I work for myself. Y'all know how we do. We try to make our work not matter. And steer away from the word leadership because it's kind of heavy sometimes. But whether you have the official title of a leader or not, influence is leadership. You know, I say that all the time because John Maxwell said it and I think that was super smart. But I would almost argue that we're all leaders just because we have freaking cell phones and can post crap. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like we can even lead through that or choose not to. But whether it's dealing with clients or raising this next generation of kiddos, our leadership journey is one that should always be growing and developing. We have a returning guest, John L. Gronsky, who is a retired Major General in the U.S. Army. He's also the author of Iron Sharpened Leadership. And today he's going to share with us his top lessons of leadership after leading thousands of soldiers at a time in 40 plus years of experience. I learned a ton. You ready for some invaluable leadership lessons with John Gronsky? Hey, before we get started, I wanted to tell you that I forgot to check my microphone before I hit record. Years and years of podcasting, I still struggle with this. But y'all can forgive me, right? Okay, let's get into this. My leadership philosophy has evolved over the last 40 years. And as I thought more and more about, hey, what is really important to me? What are the three to five things that I think are really important for me to be an effective leader? And for that matter, other people to lead effectively. I narrow it down to those three things, character, competence, and resilience. And I always like to try to keep things to three if I could. I like to keep things simple. I like to say the best way to solve complex problems is by keeping things simple. And uh, I, I just felt that I, I narrowed, that, narrowed it down that way because that's what I felt uh, as I thought about my uh, lessons that I've learned over the last 40 years, that those mm-hmm. three things really seem to be uh, centered on everything that it takes to be an effective leader. You said that it's evolved. What, what was your philosophy before? Really, my philosophy when I first started out really leading people in in 1978 when I first entered the military. Uh, I I was a a young guy, you know, 22 years old, just really trying to figure things out. I really learned a lesson early in my career where I, I made a mistake, where I deviated away from my values and away from character. To be quite honest with you, I made a mistake of, of, of character. And it really affected me uh, for the, for the rest of my life, and I, I continue to think about that mistake I made that I really don't want to get into a lot of detail talking sure. about. Uh, but it really made me realize that the foundation of being a good leader is is having a strong character, 
which I really think uh, the two main elements of a strong character are integrity and personal courage. And then you have to remain true to those values, not only in good times, but also in tough times. So that, that that's just an example of how my philosophy evolved based on a mistake I made. Sure. I think a lot of us uh, can relate to that. Um, I know I can. And I think there's a lot in, in my mind at times where it's like, who do you think you are to try to lead, to try to make a difference, to try to do this and that? Because you know, you know the mistakes that you've made, you know, et cetera. Um, how do we move past that and allow ourselves to step into what we are ultimately called to be when we know how imperfect we really are? Yeah. And, and, and I think you have to, personally, I, I have a spiritual faith and I believe that humans are fallible beings. And so I try not to be so hard on myself because, you know, I believe that, that, hey, everybody makes mistakes. Um, nobody is perfect. And we, we have to kind of come to grips with that. So the best thing, I like to say the best thing we could do when we make a mistake is to try to learn from it. Yeah. And if you don't try to learn from your your mistake, then, uh, you know, uh, really, there's no <laughs> there's there's no value at all. Competence. What does that mean to you? Competence means means several things when when it comes to leadership. It means uh, the necessity for a leader to provide a vision and a direction to, mm. to those they lead. Uh, it means uh, a leader having the courage to make a decision. Uh, it, it's about a leader helping that those they lead to also become more effective leaders. And then the fourth element of, of competence is communication, because I, I believe that as a leader, uh, 90% of the time we spend leading others is really communicating. Yeah. And, and of course, that includes listening as well as as talking. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when I talk about competence in terms of leadership, I talk about those four things. Communication is something that I told you I wanted to, to touch on. I think that that's obviously that's a skill set in and of its own. Since we are humans and we have doubts and fears and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, knowing what to communicate at times of uncertainty I know I've, I know I've struggled with that where sometimes when you don't know what to say, you don't say anything. And that's a huge mistake. And yeah. so in those moments of uncertainty, I'm sure you've faced many. What is our job as a leader as far as communication goes? Yeah, I, I think our job as a leader is to be authentic mm -hmm. and, and face reality, uh, but also to be optimistic. And the way I like to define optimism is believing that tomorrow is going to be better than today. Hmm. And, and, the, and, and there's a lot to un, unpack here. You know, in a, in a crisis situation, uh, a, a leader has to be upfront with people. You, you can't just uh, pretend that, hey, everything is going great, even though things are falling down all, all around you. So you have to be upfront with people and, and ad admit that, hey, things aren't looking good right now. However, I believe tomorrow is going to be a better day, and this is how we're going to get there. And and I think that's one of the uh, most important things a leader could do when leading through a challenging time, when leading through a crisis, is helping people see that there that there is hope. Uh, and the way people believe that there's hope is is to believe that the the plan is is a viable plan, and the leader has to has to uh, provide that plan. You talk about authenticity and. 
you know, a lot of people share about you be authentic. People want you to be real. People want you to be honest. But I think a, a fear that comes up with that is a threat to your competence. That if you're authentic and you admit that, you know, you have weaknesses, mistakes, you don't know the answer, maybe that you're scared right now. Does that threaten your perceived competence and ultimately like the respect that people are going to give you? No, I, I don't think at all. Because uh, as, as we lead people, we find out that the people we lead, uh, no matter what their formal education, they're smart people. They get things. And if we try to be somebody we're not, or if we try to paint something in a, in a different color than it, than it really is, people could see right through that. And, and you mentioned you wanted to talk about resilience. And, you know, when I talk about resilience, one of the elements of resilience, I believe, is vulnerability. A leader has to allow themselves to be vulnerable. Uh, which means that they've um, got to admit to others that they don't have all the answers. You know, I think one of the best ways you could show respect to the people you lead is by asking them what their opinion is. And, and, and also to step out of your comfort zone, try something new, to open up your mind to new ideas and uh, not believing that you're the smartest person in the room. You know, I like to say, if you're the smartest person in the room, find another room. If you're the strongest person in the gym, find another gym. You know, you, you've got to surround yourself with people who are, are smarter than, than you. And, and it's, it's, it's okay for a leader not to have all the answers and to uh, ask uh, opinions and recommendations from the people that you lead. Do you feel like you were born kind of naturally? A leader, or is this something you had to learn? You know, I, I think leadership is like athletic ability. Everybody is born with a certain amount of athleticism. You know, I, I, I didn't have the athletic genes in me that was going to allow me to be an NBA player or an NFL player or anything like that. Although, you know, I was able to play sports in high school to a, to a certain degree and improve to a certain degree. And I think the same with leadership. I think people are, are born with certain levels of leadership, mm -hmm. but then those levels of, levels of leadership could be developed throughout one's life. So I, I personally believe that everybody uh, could learn how to be a stronger and more effective leader. Uh, some people have, happen to be born with uh, a, a little bit of a head start in their leadership ability than, than others. But that doesn't mean everybody can't get better. Leaving room for mistakes, um, not beating yourself up when you make a mistake as a leader. Any top tips, thoughts, advice about that? Because I know I'm very hard on myself if I slip up or if I make a mistake. And um, I don't know there's a balance between I, I want to get better, but also to remember that I'm a human, too. Yeah. You know, actually, the book I wrote is really all based on mistakes I made for the most part. Right. And I, I've I've found that I could learn more from mistakes I've made than the times I've been successful by accident. Right. You know? right. And, uh, I guess I, I, uh, I guess I've all, I, I've kind of trained myself, uh, try to be introspective and, and try to make the most out of learning from, from the mistakes I made. And I, I think maybe it was ingrained in me from, uh, my early, uh, time in, in, in the army, because in the Army, we, we do things called an after-action review. And that means at the end of a, a training event or even at the end of a real-world operational mission, we take a look at, hey, what went well? What mm -hmm. didn't go so well that we want to improve next time? And what lessons have we learned from that? And I'm a true believer in that, uh, that uh, whether you do something collectively as a business or an organization or whether you do something individually, 
you should take the time to be introspective and, and take a look at those things. That's a fantastic idea. I mean, even if it's five minutes after like this interview, I could stop and say like, okay, Heather, what could you have done better for next time? And, you know, that's, I love that. Yeah. You, you know, Heather, I do a lot of leadership presentations. And a lot of times when I do these presentations at the end of the presentation, uh, many times I'll ask the group to help me with an after action review. And I'll say, Hey, you know, what did you like about the presentation that, that you think I should sustain? Or what didn't you like so much that you think I could improve next time? And I, I get that feedback from from groups that I talk to, and it's very, very helpful. I really like that. Um, resilience. Let, let's talk about it. It was it was interesting. I, I was like, I really want to talk about communication, right? And I reached out to my audience and shared your work and, you know, different the different things that you talk about. And overwhelmingly... The biggest thing was resilience. We want to hear more about resilience. I was like, okay, well, we'll talk a little about communication, but I got to make some space for this, which I thought was interesting. I think, I think that's interesting that that's something that people feel like they either struggle with or are curious about. Do you have any insight on that? Is that something that people normally come to you about? Yeah. Yeah. Resilience yeah. Is, 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 is a big topic. And I, and I believe that uh, leaders have to work to, help themselves become more resilient. And I'll talk about ways one could do that. But then leaders also ha have to help their followers become more resilient too. Interesting. And, and, you know, when I talk about resilience, um, you know, a lot of people, when they think of resilience, they think of overcoming adversity, overcoming challenges. And I do think that's mm -hmm. a part of it. But I think resilience is also about becoming the best person you could be, the healthiest person uh, that you could be. And I, I think there's several aspects of, of resilience. I, I think positive energy is one. I already talked about the importance of, of being optimistic. Uh, and, and, and I think that's ex extremely important if you're going to develop your own resiliency. One technique one could use uh, is to uh, journal write. And when you journal write, think about times that you've been through uh, a, a very challenging episode in your life and how you were over, able to overcome that that challenging period and, and write about that. And then when you hit another challenging time, you can kind of fall back on that and think, hey, you know what? I, I've been through a tough time and I made it through. And so I think I can make it through this next tough time. You know, I, I went to Ranger School when I was in the Army and Ranger School is a pretty tough uh, Army leadership course. And a lot of times I would think back, hey, I made it through Ranger School so I could make it through this other challenge. And then I led a brigade of 5,000 soldiers in Ramadi, Iraq in 2005 right. and six, and, and that was a very challenging time. And so a lot of times I, you know, when I'm going through a tough time, I think back on that and I think how I was able to make it through with the, the help of my fellow soldiers and Marines. And I think, you know, I could make it through this, this next time too. So I, I think reflecting on tough times you've had and how you've made it through is, is, is a great technique. Fitness, uh, I, I think, is important to become a resilient person. I'm not only talking about physical fitness, but yes, I do think physical fitness is important and for many different aspects of one's life, but also, you know, emotional fitness, you know, uh, mental fitness, spiritual fitness, however you define spiritual fitness, uh, really important to work on. And then uh, vulnerability is the third element of, of resilience. And again, having the courage to move out of your comfort zone and try new things, have an open mind to things that you haven't really considered before. Uh, those, those, those are ways to become a more resilient person and to help those you lead become more resilient.
How, how did you uh, practice emotional and spiritual fitness? Uh, specifically, when you were in the military and you had a lot of that pressure, I mean, did you have like a morning routine, personal development? What did that look like practically day to day? Yeah. To me, spiritual fitness uh, could mean anything from being involved in a formal religion to going out uh, and, and just taking a walk in nature and looking around you and thinking about the wonder of the world that's around us. So it, it, it's, it's that whole it's, it's that whole spectrum of things, you know, emotional fitness. Uh, I'm a big believer in the concept of emotional intelligence and, and that's being self-aware and then uh, uh, being able to control your emotions. You know, once you're aware of your emotions, being able to control those emotions. And I'll, I have to tell you, Heather, one of the things I struggle with the most is self-control. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. You I would know, have I, never guessed that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I'm aware of my emotions, but sometimes I let little things bother me, and I kind of, you know, mm. <laughs> I call it fly off the handle. Yeah. And and I I really am trying to do better at 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 controlling that, and and then once you uh, become a master of your own self awareness, understand your understanding your own emotions and then being able to control those emotions, then it helps you become more empathetic. I, I believe that you cannot be a very empathetic person understanding other people's emotions if you haven't taken the time to try to understand your own emotions and, and, and your own feelings. And then, and then once you are a master at those three elements, then it's about relationship building and relating to other people and, mm -hmm. and, and creating those those relationships with others. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard somebody say, and I believe it, that our new currency in this day and age is not money, but it's relationships. Right. Uh, and I'm a true believer in that. So th those are the elements of emotional intelligence that I believe in and that I, I try to get stronger at. I'll be honest. One of the most difficult things for me within the context of what you're sharing with, with empathy and relationships and controlling your emotions is I'm a very action oriented type of person. Like I really love um, productivity and I really thrive off of do and go and all of that. And so I love people and I enjoy being with people, but I see myself get frustrated at times when there's an extra pause that needs to be taken or, you know, I have to scratch off, what I had planned for the afternoon that was productive because I needed to attend to someone, how they felt about something or whatever. And balancing those two things of like, okay, I'm responsible and I need to make sure XXX is done and that the needle moves forward in whatever way. And also to being open and empathetic to the people are around me and putting people first. Neither one's bad, right? How do we marry those two together? And I know you have a lot of responsibility and probably a lot of people tugging at you. Uh, and again, I, I think as a leader, when you, when you take on that that mantle of of, of leader, uh, what it means is is placing the welfare of others uh, above your own welfare. Mm. And, and so I, I think it's just understanding that sometimes, you know, you've got to place yourself second or third to to right. the, the people you lead. And, and, you know, you mentioned something at the beginning of of uh, our, our talk here that I, I just wanted to get back to because uh, you mentioned, you know, mothers being leaders, you know, being leaders of families, being leaders of, of, of various different groups that one may not think as a leadership position. But I, I like to say that um, 
you know, you don't have to be in a formal position of leadership to be a leader. Anybody uh, who could positively influence other people to accomplish, you know, a goal is is a leader. And and so uh, you know, it's taking that to heart and realizing that if you're going to take that on. Uh, then sometimes you're you're just going to have to place those other people first. And I'm not sure if that really answered your question or not. Oh, it, it answers it for sure. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you mentioned helping others become resilient. What I heard is we need to work on ourselves. We need to reflect on uh, previous things that we've overcome. We need to spend time in our spiritual, emotional, and physical uh, well-being. And that helps others become resilient too. But are there or any other tips, advice you lead, uh, be more resilient themselves? I, again, I, I actually just wrote a, a paper for a magazine about about care and how it's care. important. Yeah, care. And, and uh, you know, how it's important for a leader to care for themselves first before they could care for other people. And by, by, by caring, I, I use this little, I guess it's an analogy, a little phrase that I use. I, I like to say, you've got to throw wood on your own campfire before it's going to cast light for others. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that means, you know, taking care of those elements of, of fitness that I, I already talked about and then showing other people by your example and through your experience and, and through your mentoring how they could also work on those, those elements of fitness and, and how they have to you know, move out of their comfort zone and, and order the grow. Because if, if you don't move out of your comfort zone, uh, it's, it's, it's harder to learn. And if you don't learn, you can't grow. And, and if you stop growing, you start dying. So it, it's, it's, right. it's something that you've got to in, inspire people that, that you, you lead to, to understand. Beautiful. I'm going to take uh, the last few minutes, a couple of questions that we had from our listeners, if that's okay with you. Yeah, Um, absolutely. This comes from Jen Brazelton. She serves in our army as well. And I mentioned that you talk about building community in in your book. And she had a question around that. Um, I'm just going to read directly what it is. She says, as a major general, I think it would be interesting to hear how they handle building community because the amount of troops under their command would be vast and it wouldn't be easy to task to implement a new sense of community, but rather build upon the old and hopefully they have a good set of bones to build with. Yeah. I, I really think it's all about uh, providing that shared vision. And, and when I talk about a shared mm-hmm. vision, the way I, I've developed visions for large organizations that I've led, I've actually gone around and and before communicating the vision, I would go around, I would talk to subsets of, of people who would be representative of the large organization that I, uh, I led. And I would ask them, hey, where do you want to see this organization go? You know, five years from now, 10 years from now, what would you like to see this organization be? And, and I would ask everybody from the least experienced person to one of the most experienced people in that organization. And it's funny. Uh, the times I've done that, uh, most of the answers are relatively uh, the same. You know, we're, we're, really? we're yeah, where people want to be part of a high performing organization. People want to be proud of what they do. People want to work toward uh, goals that are going to help uh, other people. And and so I think by going around and, and doing that and then so that's one part of bu- building a shared vision. And then the other element of a shared vision is communicating it out. In, in multiple different ways, uh, 
to people and being very consistent about it. You know, a lot of people talk about Ronald Reagan being a great communicator, whether you like his politics or not. He was a very good communicator. And one of the reasons he was such a good communicator is he was pretty consistent in his messages. So I've learned that a leader should not have a different flavor of the month or flavor of the quarter. You know, once you uh, establish what that vision is and what those goals are, you've got to be consistent in communicating those goals in, in, in different type of formats. For example, if you're talking to a group of 200 people, you've got to be consistent in your message. If you're having a one-on-one conversation, you've got to be consistent right. in your message. If you're doing social media, that same message has to be consistent. I think if, if, if you could do that, it's a great way to build community and, and a great way to get people uh, behind the vision that, that, that you're trying to instill in others. I was actually going to, I'm glad you brought up social media. I was going to ask you about that because, you know, a lot of people listening, myself included, we lead online through these face, you know, faceless people who we, we see comments and we see numbers and stuff. And sometimes the dissonance between, you know, uh, that <laughs> where we can, we don't actually get to talk verbally to human beings. And it's kind of this aloof imaginary group of people that we're putting content out for that we're sharing messages for. Um, if there's an opportunity and there's also a barrier there. And as far as leading in that context, like asking questions and getting engaged for people and really hearing and listening, any tips, thoughts, advice for leaders who are digital? Yeah. You know, I, I was, it's funny. I was just thinking about this earlier today. I remember being at a conference where there was a, uh, a professional communications expert talking to us about social media. And he said something that I, that really kind of was relevant to me. He said, uh, when, when you're working with social media, it, it, the important thing isn't how followers engage you. It's important that you engage your followers. That's so and good. I, yeah. I thought, man, that, that, that's awesome. And so, you know, what that means is is asking your, your followers questions, doing things. And I know you're great at this, Heather, really. I think you could uh, write a book or, or do a, a seminar on, 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 on how to engage on social media. Uh, but but again, asking questions, uh, you know, putting things out there where people have to get engaged in some way as a social media community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I thought that was that was really insightful. You know, it's not it's not about how your followers engage you. It's about how you engage your followers. And so I, I try to do that. I'm not great at it, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get better. And it is a little bit weird, uh, like you say, because it's, it's not like it's people that you are, are meeting face to face with. It's these right. faceless people out there that, that you're trying to, that you're trying to uh, provide good content for. Yeah. Yeah. That's so valuable. I'll just take this one last one just for time's sake, but this comes from Bill. Uh, he wanted to know the number one issue that you consistently confront with other leaders and what you believe the root cause of that issue is. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people have been asking me about uh, how to resolve conflict, uh, how to re- as a leader, how to resolve conflict uh, between somebody you're leading and yourself or when two people that you lead are, are in conflict with one another. And, and some, you know, good, good techniques and, 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 and tips on that. So it, it's, it seems I especially aspiring leaders uh, that that's that's one of the things that that is on their mind is. You know, when they first move into a leadership position, somebody is is kind of butting heads with them. You know, how do they handle that? So 
that seems to be uh, uh, an issue on the mind of, of, of many people. Big thank you to John for coming on today's episode. Make sure you check out his book, Iron Sharpened Leadership. That can be found at johngronsky.com or, you know, those online bookstores. Also linked up in the show notes is our previous conversation with John where we talked about adventure and leadership. That's a really good one to listen to as well. But before we go, before we go, I had to ask him. I could see this 22-year-old young man joining the military. He had no idea where his life was going to lead him. And I wondered, John, if he could go back and tell that young man one thing that you know now that he did not understand back then, what would that be? Really be introspective and, and think about what are your core values? What values are really important to you? And then do your best to stick by those core values, not only in good times, but also in, in, in tough times. And if you could stick uh, by your core values, and actually, this is another thing, Heather, a lot of people don't think about this, but when you're making a decision, you should factor your values into the decisions that you make. And if you mm-hmm. factor your values into the decisions that you're making, into your decision-making process, uh, you're probably going to be proud of, of those the, the decisions that you make. And I think when people make the wrong decisions and really kind of go off base, it's because they really haven't factored their their values into it. So that that's advice I would give uh, myself as a young person and any other uh, aspiring leader that is out there listening. Hey, y'all, before we jet out of here, if you are looking to build a course or a membership site, build in some online income so you can fund your creative work, you know, bring in a little extra money monies. One of my favorite platforms, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's my favorite platform, is Kajabi. Almost everybody I work with, I somehow convinced to get onto Kajabi. I personally use it. It's an all-in-one platform for not only your email list, but also hosting your courses, your membership sites, and pretty much whatever you want to do. You can do it on Kajabi. To start your free trial, all you have to do is go to heatherparody.com forward slash Kajabi. That is linked in the show notes. And start your trial for 14 days. I mean, technically, you could build a product, sell the product within two weeks, and it pays for itself. No sweat. Again, that is heatherparody.com forward slash Kajabi. 